Yo, what's going on, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to the 47th episode of Ridge Runners Live. On this episode, we dive into the Black Canyon 100K with the third place finisher who earned a golden ticket to the Western States 100 mile endurance run this summer, hailing from New York, Sarah Kyes. She talked all things training, what the race was like out in Black Canyon, as well as many other things. You're gonna love this episode. Hope you enjoy. Yo, what's crackalacking, Ridge Hunter Nation? Welcome back to our 47th live show. I may spend half the episode tonight just trying to introduce and list off the accomplishments of tonight's guest. She's an athlete on the La Sportiva mountain running team in 2020. She also completed the 46 high peaks in under five days. She is a coach and two weeks ago, she ran the Black Canyon 100K, finishing third and taking home a golden ticket to the Western States 100 mile endurance run, heading back there. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to us from the Adirondack Mountains, without further ado, Sarah Kyes, how are you doing? doing great um yeah feeling really good thanks for the correct pronunciation of the name too appreciate that <laughs> no problem no problem i did spend you know all day today at work you know just rattling it off and making sure that i uh got that right but uh yeah no it's super awesome to have you on i was super excited uh for those of you that don't know my name is wesley harton and holding down the fort with me tonight is a man who needs to get moved Oh, Wesley froze. 100 miler this summer. Oh. JD3, John Dolovac in the third. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, but you seem to be have frozen yourself for a little bit there. But we'll skip that. I am um, doing pretty well this evening, um, enjoying myself, enjoying the beautiful weather that we had today. It was 45 degrees and sunny, and I was very happy to be outside running. The last couple of times I was out there, it was like 16 degrees, and I was just very cranky. Um, but we're going good tonight. Um, Sarah, are you uh, drinking anything this evening? I am. I have a, um, a second fiddle from, um, I think it's just Fiddlehead Brewery in Vermont. So Vermont is kind of the land of IPAs uh, up, up this way. So it, we're lucky to be that close. <laughs> I do love me some good IPAs. Um, but tonight I'm actually not doing that. I'm drinking a Moscow Mule, even in a proper Ooh. cup too. So I'm enjoying that. Wesley, what are you doing? I, I got the Athens, Ohio Mystic Mama beer. Clearly, I've not been beer shopping since I went out to Utah <laughs> yet. So I uh, need, need to get on that eventually. But uh, yeah, it's going to be an awesome show tonight. So before we dive into things, uh, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're also on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our, our handle is Ridge Runners on all platforms. Sarah, before we dive too deep into the Black Canyons race, uh, I just want to get to know you a little bit more, you know, learn sure. about your background, kind of how you fell in love with the sport of trail running. So uh, just for our listeners that may not know who, who you are, and if they don't, that's on them. Uh, <laughs> tell them a little bit about who you are and kind of how you found trail running. Sure. I'll give you a little fun fact that not a ton of people know. Actually, I, uh, I love IPAs because I used to work at a brewery for 13 years, actually up here in Lake Placid, the Lake Placid Pub and Brewery. Started there when I was 19, uh, waited tables, bartended. I actually brew brewed a couple batches of beer, managed for quite a while, but that's just like a so little fun fact about me. But um, yeah, so I uh, grew up in Paul Smith, New York, which um, some people may know of Paul Smith College, which is a, uh, it's like a culinary hospitality school, but now they have a four-year program and a lot of, so there's not much out there except for the school and a little like 
grouping of homes and that's about it. So that's where I grew up. So there wasn't much out there. Like we didn't have cable TV until I was in like high school, well, middle school, probably we didn't actually have it till I was in high school. Um, and so I spent a lot of my time, you know, just in the woods and building forts and canoeing and camping and, um, you know, like we would literally just go canoe out to a lean to for lunch and, you know, any day of the week <laughs> as a kid. But, um, you know, I was not like a super competitive, like athletic kid by any means, you know, I like playing outside, but I wasn't, um, like I didn't really do sports. I played softball. I actually did try track and field for a little bit, but I ended up doing discus because I was too anxious and nervous to like line up and race on the track. Um, and, it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I started kind of running recreationally, um, for fun, you know, like would, well, I started running when I was in, I did an AmeriCorps program also right out of high school. Um, and so part of that is a, it's like a domestic peace corps for people that don't know. And so some of that is physical fitness, right? So we'd run for like 15 minutes a day. Um, but I was in a program that we would travel and work together in like a group of 10. And so I quickly found if I went running, I could be alone <laughs> for like an hour. <laughs> so that was like kind of where it started. Uh, when I came back to the Adirondacks after that, I ran recreationally and, and was like, oh, you know what I could, if I were running trails and mountains right now, I could cover so much more ground than if I was just hiking them. Um, and I quickly kind of found that I was also like, you know, not bad at it. I felt like I could, you know, cover some ground and felt good. And, but I also found, you know, running in the mountains here, uh, for those of people that don't know the Adirondacks, they're super rugged, you know, it's, um, really technical, very rocky, really rooty, pretty much straight up the mountain. There's not many switchbacks. Um, and so, and because of that, it's pretty eroded also, but, uh, you know, so running the high peaks when I was like in my twenties was something people didn't really do that. And so for me, it became a way for me to like gain a lot of confidence and, you know, feel like a badass and like do something that other people couldn't do, you know? Um, and so I kept at it and, you know, I think for all of us that run ultras, it's like, it's one of those things, like, it just seems like a barrier that we have to go beyond at some point. And so it's, you know, it was that old, same old story of like, just seeing how far I could go, you know, the first time I went, like, I remember thinking I can't even run a marathon at one, you know, at one point in my life being like, there's no way my body could go that far. <laughs> so, um, it's pretty amazing to look back actually and getting a little nostalgic, I guess, as I talk about it, right. That like, uh, my body's taken me to where I am now, which is, which is exciting. It's pretty remarkable. And obviously your progression is awesome to kind of see, but what was it like in the beginning stages of that? Obviously starting off like running super challenging trails up there mm -hmm. in uh, the mountains and then kind of realizing that, Hey, I might want to train for a marathon 50 K kind of taking us through uh, what those first couple of years were like. Sure. I mean, so even now we, I joke with people that, you know, mountain running and mountain biking in the Adirondacks is really just hiking. <laughs> like, Regard, even with a bike, you're hiking quite a bit. Um, but so, you know, it's, it's, it's more about here on these trails, it's more about like just being able to move quickly. And so you are doing power, you're power hiking most things. Right. But, um, certainly we have some trail that's, you know, you know, nice mountain bike, smooth, you know, you can get into a good flow. Um, but I think early on, it was, it really was just, you know, a, a trying to see if I could like do a half marathon and then train for a marathon. And we have, um, you know, in Lake Placid, which is the close town to me, um, 
Iron Man is a big deal here, right? So we have a lot of people that come through and they're running and swimming and biking all the time. So it's sort of like around you a lot. Um, so transitioning to like, I, I think my first uh, half marathon was in Lake Placid. There's a, a, it's been going on now for quite a few years. So I think close to like 18 or 20. Um, and so I, I did a half marathon there and I thought, well, I could keep going and try a little, you know, keep, keep going for a little bit farther. And, and honestly, working at the brewery at that time, like you have all day off, right? So you can go <laughs> train and run and do whatever um, and then work at night. So it was kind of a nice schedule for that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's challenging. And I, I thought about this the other day that I, you know, I'd really try not to take for granted the, the ability that I have. Um, and it's so easy to quickly forget like where you came from and, and how it was, it's hard, you know, like trying to go from just running a 5k to a half marathon to marathon to hundred mile race is difficult, you know, and it takes years of experience and putting that time on your body to, to, to get there. Um, so, so, you know, not to sound like it's a super, I mean, it's challenging, but it's not a, uh, it's not on, it's not impossible to get, to get to there, to that point. Definitely. And you've kind of had some different challenges even recently over the, uh, in the past two years or so. Kind of talk about what the past couple of years have been like for you uh, not being able to run and then kind of sure. training for the Black Canyon 100K. Sure. So um, in 2019, I uh, was supposed to run Georgia Death Race actually that year. Excuse me. And um, was in, so I live in Saranac Lake, New York, which is uh, like an hour and a half from the Canadian border. So pretty far North. And I had gone, uh, this is early March down to the Catskills to train just for a weekend. Cause I was like, well, I better try and run on some dirt trails. Cause <laughs> I have Georgia death race coming up in like three weeks and haven't run on any, any dirt because up here, our winters are pretty long. You know, they last from basically like November or December to April. <laughs> so, um, I went down there to train and I ended up, I mean, I was out for, you know, a few hours was my plan, but I fell within the first like four miles and broke my ankle. Um, and so it took me like three hours to walk out on that broken ankle. And, um, you know, it took me, that was, so that took me out for all of 2019, basically. Um, you know, I was signed up for UTMB that I was actually signed up for quite a few things and UTMB that year. And I did go to, to France and Chamonix to kind of like participate and hang out, but I didn't race obviously. And, um, so, you know, in 2000, last year, 2020, you know, it was supposed to be like my redemption. You're coming back from an injury. And um, then of course, COVID, right. So nobody raced, but uh, it was quite disappointing at first, but you get, I got over it pretty quickly. You know, I was supposed to have raced like Chuckana in March and then Lavaredo and, um, you know, quite a few things actually. So it was, it was a bummer, but um, I found, you know, kind of getting back to that, like gratitude piece that, like for me, um, running from, like, I just tried to like appreciate the runs I could do from home, like versus friends in Europe that like couldn't even leave the house, you know, and, um, in the early times of, of the pandemic <laughs> and, uh, like just tried to love training for training, you know, like just to get out there and do it. Um, and then come summer of 2020 last year, I, you know, here in the Adirondacks, like I was talking about, we have uh, 46 high peaks. So 4, 46 mountains over 4,000 feet, a couple, two of them are under 4,000 feet actually. But, um, so people, 
try to hike them all, you know, in all different seasons and you come up, become a 46er. Um, and so there was no women's recorded record to do them all in, in one go, um, supported or unsupported, uh, before this past year. And I've been thinking about this for quite some time. My good friend, Jan Welford had the men's record for many years, like over a decade actually. Um, and so we had talked about it, you know, several times me going for this FKT attempt and, it seemed like 2020 would be the perfect year for it. You know, why not? And nothing else on the calendar after that. Um, and so I was able to complete it. You know, it ended up being that I was racing another woman uh, for it, which was added a new dynamic for sure. Um, Alyssa Godeski, who is an amazing athlete herself. And um, she ended up getting the record in three days and like 16 hours, I think, which is an amazing time. Um, but I ended up with some injuries kind of stemming from my ankle break, uh, things that like, you know, just imbalances and stuff that I think caused some tendonitis in my other, my good foot, um, which slowed me down quite a bit. So I, I ended up finishing it, which, you know, was first goal anyways, always just to finish a project like that. Cause it's so huge. Um, and so, you know, after like, feeling, I mean, it still feels somewhat defeating, you know, like you set the goal of like going out to, to get the record and then, and I didn't get it. Um, and so, you know, for me personally, like going to black Canyon and having a good day feels like, I mean, it's like, man, it's about time, you know, <laughs> um, I, it, it just, it just felt great, you know, to, to go out and feel strong and have a good day. Um, and to celebrate it and do it with other people that all, you know, like everybody had sort of a feeling of like celebration regardless because we get to go to a race, you know, which is amazing. Um, you know, but for me, I felt like it was, it was, it was really special actually. Yeah. So on the FKT attempt, would, are you going to attempt to maybe go for it again? Or is that not even on the books for you? Cause you, if you like said you wanted it, um, and it's interesting to hear the dynamic as well. Like, you know, one doesn't think an FKT is a, is a live race and it sounded like in your situation, it was right. kind of like a live race. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, the mountains aren't going anywhere. Right. Um, and I live right here, like in the heart of it. So yeah, I, I might go for it again. Um, it, yeah, I think I really enjoy racing. So for me, the, um, the, that dynamic was kind of fun. Um, having, you know, Alyssa is I think from Virginia. So she had come up to train a little bit in the summer and she reached out to me and said she was going to go for that uh, FKT and didn't know that I was going to also go for it at the same. And I said, so how do you feel about kind of going at the same time and making a race out of it? Um, which to be honest, I'm kind of surprised nobody else has done this yet. You know, like, especially in, in a time like this where, you know, I think we're all uh, eager for that. Um, and I think it was incredibly exciting for other people to watch too, you know, at home, because we both had our in-reach trackers that you could pull up so you could see our routes and, and where we were and different things that we'd done. Um, and that's the fun part of this type of FKT was that it's a choose your own adventure where, um, you know, the route isn't set. You can do it in any, any way you'd like. So um, from, from what I heard too, people really enjoyed that. Sounds awesome. Um, I just want to remind everyone who's watching to ask questions in the chat if you wanted to know anything from Sarah. We do have a question from Eric Anderson, and he was asking, is it hard to train for a February race in upstate New York? Seems to a southerner the weather would be a real challenge. Uh, it is a challenge, yeah. So we, like I said, I've 
basically like six months of winter up here <laughs> and there's no dirt or trail to speak of uh, once that snow flies, you know? So I do a lot of road running in the wintertime, um, a lot of roads and a lot of, I try to get to dirt road whenever I can. Um, you know, I try to do some cross training. I do a little bit of skiing and, and backcountry skiing when the snow is good. Um, but yeah, I mainly just run roads. And so, you know, for something like Black Canyon, um, the f- basically the first half is all runnable, pretty smooth terrain. So I think that benefited me well, having all that uh, road running. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't, uh, I kind of forgot I even registered, like put my name on the wait list for Black Canyon <laughs> until I got the email that said, hey, the race is a go. And I was like, oh, that's only five weeks away. Okay. <laughs> um, and so at that point, I'd been running all road and kind of working on speed work, um, anyway, because I was like, well, I might as well, you know, focus on something for training at this point And why not work on, you know, getting some, some leg speed, um, which I also think helped for Black Canyon as well. So, and, you know, and then the second half of that race of Black Canyon is, is quite technical. And, um, believe in when they say it, it is harder than the first half because it is, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think my background and where I'm from just benefited me that way that I could, you know, deal with the technicality pretty well. So we are going to jump into your Black Canyon deep dive, but I just want to know real sure. quick, uh, but what were the five weeks kind of like going into the race? Obviously, uh, you ran the South Mountains Marathon, which our, our viewers will know pretty well. It's a Brandon Thor race down in North Carolina, um, and you won that race. Uh, it was rescheduled, and kind of what was that dynamic like, and how did that kind of play into uh, the training for you? Uh, sure. So I had, um, my boyfriend was house sitting for some friends that live in Boone. And, uh, so I planned on trying to get down to stay there for a little while and, and run on trail. Uh, cause again, right. There's no dirt to be had up here. Um, and so honestly, I, I found, I think actually Aaron found that was race was like, Hey, there's a marathon. You should run this as a training run. <laughs> and I thought, sure, why not? That sounds fun. And I think I got the last remaining spot um, on the registration on ultra sign up. And so I signed, signed up like days before it um, and didn't really know the course. And um, but I was really pleasantly surprised at like it, it's, it was a great course. Um, and I do think it kind of suited well. I mean, it's a lot more gain, um, you know, than necessary, honestly, for Black Canyon, because I think it had close to 6,000 feet of gain in a marathon or something like that. So, um, but it was all pretty runnable, uh, which is, you know, good to push yourself on that. So I found it was a, um, a really great stimulus, uh, two weeks out from black Canyon. Um, you know, and, and knowing my body, like I knew that wasn't enough, it was enough time to recover, uh, with the taper to feel pretty good, but yeah, so those five weeks, um, you know, so David Roach is my coach. And so I actually, I text him right away when I saw the email, I was like, so what do you think? Like five weeks, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and, and he said, yeah, you're ready. I, you know, and, um, and I'll plug here. We, I love uh, the show Ted Lasso. Have you guys ever watched Ted Lasso? Yes. Love it. it. It's like my favorite. I've literally watched the first season four, I think four times now. <laughs> Um, but so I, you know, I, I replied immediately to David, like in all caps, I believe, you know, but, um, so I, uh, you know, he changed out my calendar for me and basically I had, yeah, like at that point, uh, three long, I, I was able to fit in three long runs, including the marathon that were over just over 20 miles before race day. Um, 
So what I tried to focus on was getting in a lot of uh, runnable downhill because I knew that this that Black Canyon would be, um, you know, tough on the legs in that regard. So yeah, I just tried to do soft surface. So I was kind of dealing, honestly, before the race, I was dealing with a little bit of posterior tibialis pain, like a shin splinty pain that I think was just coming from running on road so frequently and, and doing a lot of speed work on road. So I tried to focus on running in the snow and running on dirt roads, got to get the softest surface I could. Um, and I just did a lot of like runnable hills. Um, and when I say runnable hills, I mean like, uh, I don't know, it was probably like, it was like running like 700 to a thousand feet sustained. Um, and then downhill also though. So like really like kind of hammering my quads. <laughs> um, and when, you know, and so black cane and, really doesn't have, I mean, it's got, you know, they say these and the climbs are climbs, but they're like very runnable kind of gradual climbs. So you're not getting, um, you know, really anything over like, I mean, there's one hill that was maybe over seven or 8% grade, but the rest, and that was actually a dirt road that I just power hiked up to an aid station. So like I was stopping anyway, when I got to the top, so I didn't have to worry, but, um, yeah, the rest of it, you know, like, and I was lucky that, uh, sorry, getting into the race again, but lucky to be out there a week ahead of time. So I was able to preview the second half of the course. I wasn't worried about the first half because I feel like people, like I never remember the first half of a race anyway, typically, <laughs> but, um, so I was able to get out there and see the second half of the course and do those climbs just so I knew what it was like. And so comparatively to what I was running here in the snow, they were like, it was really nothing, you know? Um, I mean, it's something, but it wasn't, you know, and, and of course, ladder in the latter half of a race when you're like exposed in the sun and it's 70 degrees compared to like 20 degrees in snow it's a bit different but um yeah so I was trying to focus on as much as I could what was similar to, to race day um and again that's why kind of I was oh go ahead oh no go for it I was just gonna say, and that's why you know I tried to get down to North Carolina to to get in some time on dirt just to um yeah, to try to get my legs ready. Cause I find the, the first race of the season on any technical terrain, like my ankles and lower legs are always going to suffer and feet, which they did. <laughs> well, we've made our viewers wait long enough to kind of hear your story, kind of just the full recap of your black Canyon race. So uh, I'm super excited to kind of hear how the early miles shook out. Obviously you said you were there a week early, but kind of like, how did it all kind of play out for you on race day? Uh, yeah. So um, with the race, so I, and I mentioned to you guys, I, it was pretty exciting for me to actually be able to race, like line up with just a group of women. So the way that they worked with the COVID restrictions, they did wave start, um, every 15 minutes, they had like 30 to 40 people go out. So the first wave was men at 7am. And then the second wave was all the elite women at 715. Um, and so that was, I was pretty excited about that. You know, that doesn't happen frequently for us. Um, you know, you don't really get that opportunity uh, to line up with, you know, your competitors that way and, and like see how things shake out, you know, like you're going to, you, you realize pretty early on who you're going to be racing, you know? So, um, so I was super psyched about that. And that was, that was fun. So we started out, you know, it was kind of cool morning, but again, like for me, it was, you know, like that it felt like 40 degrees felt great. You know, it was kind of tropical, but, um, so it was a little bit chilly. Um, I think nobody really wanted to take the lead. I think that was also sort of interesting. Um, because again, like you're we're used to racing with men who are always like out front and far ahead. Um, and so Addie and, and Brittany kind of, 
took it right out of the gate. Um, and so I think we all sort of just sort of fell in behind them and, and tried to set a pace that seemed sustainable. Um, because the first part of that race you're on like pavement, uh, and then it's, you know, it is, it's just very runnable. There's a little bit of technical trail before the first aid station with a little bit of single track, but it's still pretty, pretty mild in my opinion. Um, and so going through, you know, I left, uh, and that was the other thing too. So no crew allowed at, um, the first 50 miles of the race. Right. So, um, it's, that was a bit different. Like you just get dropped off in the circle. Like, you know, you're not able to like hang out with family or friends. You just get like dropped off and, and, uh, and then line up to race basically. So, you know, Aaron in the car, uh, was like run a smart race. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I always tend to get pretty caught up pretty quickly, um, in racing, you know, and, um, you know, in the day, the day before the race, I talked to my coach and he said, you know, like the first 10 miles of a race don't matter, you know, like it doesn't matter, you know, where you are. It's like the first 10 miles don't matter. And so, but in my head, I think I took that to mean, well, then I can go out and first and it'll be fine. <laughs> so, so I did end up going through the first aid station and first, um, and I think when Aaron Sally, who's probably like, that's not a smart race. What are you doing? But, um, and then the next like 13 miles are this beautiful kind of like windy downhill that is like, was super fun actually. Um, you know, you're kind of like in and out of uh, little ravines in the Canyon. And, um, like you can see ahead of you, like where you're headed basically for the rest of the day. Um, and, and it's just like a nice slight gradual downhill grade that's super plush basic. Well, it wasn't plush. It was pretty hard packed, but you know, not technical. Um, and so I felt great going through there. Um, I think it was the next aid station, which I'm forgetting the name of that Lisa Roberts took off in front of Addie and I, um, and she's the one that has the, the Yoda that she runs with in her pack. Um, and, Addie and I both were like, Oh, well that's kind of bold, but okay. <laughs> and, and she looked strong, you know, she looked great and she kept going. And, and so, um, I can't remember now where the, it was after Bumblebee, like she hit Lisa had gone, was in first gone through Bumblebee and was ahead of us. And I didn't even see her in that aid station. Um, and Addie, I think had stopped. So it was an interesting sort of like, do you stop for a drop bag or do you not stop for a drop bag at mile 20? Because I did not put one in for mile 20 because I didn't think I would need it. Um, and was unsure if the other girls had, you know, and it's sort of like a uh, strategy there. Like, do you stop to do anything or do you just keep going? Um, and so I think Addie did stop for a drop bag, but then she decided not to and, and passed me in the aid station and went out. Um, and then there's a little bit of a climb after that aid station on like a, a double track and Brittany passed me going up that. Um, well, I was kind of like just stopping to eat and I kept them in sight, like, you know, 20 seconds ahead of me or something. And I stopped to go pee. Um, and they were like, I could tell they were kind of like pushing it at that point, Addie and Brittany together. Um, and I, so that's where I decided I'd run my smart race <laughs> and said, I'm just gonna let them go. Uh, I'm not gonna like kill myself right now at like mile 25. Um, and they gained like two minutes on me by the next aid station, I think. So um, they had, were moving pretty well. And at that point, like I felt fine. I felt good. I was just kind of running and I was kind of on my own. Um, the other interesting thing about that wave start, though, was that you could be in any wave to get a golden ticket. So 
it, and I guess it did come into play with the men's race a little bit where like, cause there were some men that passed us uh, that were in the third wave that were moving super fast. And it turns out, I think, I can't remember the guy's name who was, he ended up going through the first stage in like two minutes faster than any of the other guys, which was interesting. Um, but he was in the third wave, so he didn't know where he fell, you know, in relation to them. Um, but so it was sort of like an interesting, you know, like, is there a girl in the third wave who could potentially, you know, like move past us at some point and or like finish, you know, just ahead to have like screwed with the pony. It'd be very difficult to do that. I don't I don't think like personally I'd push myself as hard if I wasn't racing against other people like in sight. But um, but that was sort of interesting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the rest of the race, I would say after, like, after that point, um, I would come into aid stations, like the, I did put a drop bag at Black Canyon city and that's an out and back. There's a mile out and back at that point. Um, and so I was interested to see like where the other girls were from that vantage point. Um, and so I was almost in the aid station when Brittany was going back out and Addie was like right behind her. Um, and when I got into the aid, Lisa was sitting, um, in the aid station, um, but she like stood up when I sat down and I think she left, but nobody, I didn't hear any clapping or like hooting and hollering, like that she was leaving. So I was like, is she gone? Is she not? But I, um, took the time actually at that point to like change my shoes and socks. Cause I was, my feet were kind of suffering as I was saying earlier, like having it be so early in the season without like technical terrain to run on. Uh, I think my feet started to blister at like mile 10, <laughs> And I basically like settled in at that point to knowing it was going to be a lot, like I was just going to be in pain for eight hours. But, um, so I took the time to change my shoes and socks, but I changed my shoes to the, ex like a, the exact same model and a, a new pair. So I took off the one and nobody, you know, there's nobody there to help me. So I'm doing it on my own. Um, and I forgot which ones I'd taken off and which ones I was supposed to put on. <laughs> and my like sock blew away in the wind. And I was like, oh, geez. So, I mean, it was kind of, you know, I mean, I laughed at myself. It was funny, but that probably cost me a little bit of time. Um, but at that point, so then I had to like, from that point on, I had pretty much seen the parts I wanted to see of the course prior. So I knew it was coming. Um, and there's a quite a bit of climbing, like runnable climbing after that. And I felt really good. And, uh, just kind of ran as best I could. I could see Lisa a few times. Like that's the other cool thing about that course is you can see your competitors up ahead of you. And if you look back, you would see who's behind you too. Um, cause it's so wide open. That's you know, something different being, uh, in the desert versus in the, you know, here in the East coast where there's so much, uh, uh, coverage, you know, and trees that you can't really see a lot of times. So, um, I could see Lisa ahead of me, not that far. I mean, she was probably like a minute ahead of me at that point. Um, and so I, but I think she saw me too, probably like coming up behind her. So she kind of pushed and I was just having a good time, like running and just trying to like keep my, you know, momentum moving, um, despite my feet hurting so badly. <laughs> and I guess it was then mile 51 is a table Mesa where my crew was, you know, and, uh, I passed Addie just leaving the aid station as I was coming in, I was like, Oh, she doesn't look so great. Um, and so then I learned that Lisa was only probably another five minutes out, like had just left the aid station five minutes prior. So I changed my shoes and, um, switch bottles and just, and I knew that the next climb that they, you know, it's like, they say it's like, there's a big climb at the end, which it is. Um, but only cause it's hot and you're exposed and it, you know, it's rocky and, and I call it sort of like chundery, you know, it's very just like loose 
dry, like jagged rock. <laughs> um, and so I caught Addie not far after the aid station actually, and she was walking. Uh, and so I passed her and I was looking for Lisa the whole time, but I never ended up catching her. Um, but I felt pretty strong, you know, but it, I also, uh, had taken a fall at like mile 40, I guess it was. And my right calf had like turned into a rock, you know, and that happens, you know, like catch a toe. And so I like sat there on the ground and like tried to like rub it out for a bit. So every time I tried to open up my stride after that and run anything over like an eight minute pace, my legs, my calf would just cramp up into like another tight little rock. So, um, I felt good. I felt strong. And I like, could you know like when you get that like second wind of energy and I would be like okay save it because I thought I was going to see Lisa so I didn't want to like just waste it you know just run and waste it and then not be able to like pass her if I saw her um so I feel like I had more to give a little bit <laughs> I guess is what my point is there but um but yeah I mean I, I just felt like I had a great race and I had already seen the last three miles of the course I had done just a little bit of like run out and back from the, the finish um which is not an easy finish actually that, that it's a, there's a little bit of climbing in the last three miles and there's some technical terrain too. Like the very last like quarter mile is like all loose jagged rock <laughs> going up to the finish line. Um, but it was exciting to know that I was that close. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say overall, I, I felt like I executed it the day. Well, I felt good. My, you know, like I felt really strong. Um, I was able to eat the whole time. You know, I, I try to stick to my nutrition plan, plan you know, pretty much a hundred calories every 30 minutes. Um, and I use, I'm a tailwind athlete and I use tailwind. So that was one of the other things. So without a crew to like swap bottles for me, um, I was a little bit concerned about like how I was going to get tailwind. Uh, so I carried empty soft flasks with the powder already in them in my pack so that I could just like hand that, you know, like put that out for an aid station to fill rather than trying to like pour powder into a bottle and then have it filled. Um, or at the drop bags, I would swap out bottles with already bo like pre-filled powdered bottles basically. <laughs> um, yeah. So I felt, you know, like overall things went really well. Um, besides, yeah, besides my feet sort of hurting but again like after doing the 46 and having that pain for five days <laughs> nine hours is really nothing <laughs> so so thinking about um talking about the train you were like the the rugged and the, the gravel and the loose kind of stuff like that sammy hartman has a question it says you know sure. what, what are the go-to shoes for that kind of rocky terrain so um i I use, I'm a, a La Sportiva athlete. Um, so for me, I was using the, um, the Captiva and that's the shoe that I started out in. And then I went to change pairs, but they were the exact same color. So I was like, Oh, which one? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I was happy to have for the last 11 miles, I had the La Sportiva Jackal, which is, it came out last year. Um, and it's a bit more stable shoe. I think uh, and I hadn't done a ton of training in it, so I wasn't sure how it would feel. I knew that it was more stable and it was a bit stiffer, um, more cushioned shoe. And so I knew I wanted it for the last portion because I'm sure, you know, I figured my legs would be tired. My feet were probably going to be, I, I figured my feet were going to be pretty mangled because of just being so early in the season, um, you know, and, and running on road mainly and, and not running on trail. You know, it's just a different, just different. So um, I was prepared for that too, going into it, I guess. But um 
prepare for it mentally, I guess I should say. (laughs) My feet were not prepared, but there's not much you can do. So yeah, I would say something like the best shoe, I think is something that's got a lot of stability to it, but also somewhat cushioned because I I found, um, you know, the worst part was when I would step on a a sharper rock and it would, regardless of what part of my foot it was, it would just be painful because my feet aren't used to it at this point in in the year. Um, So I think, you know, something with a rock plate that's well cushioned and stable, um, especially when you get tired. I think you could start out a race, like Black Canyon, you can start that race in something that's, you know, like you probably run it in a road shoe for that matter, honestly, for the first like 20 miles <laughs> at least. <laughs> but So obviously, you know, it being so early in the season and a lot of different challenges or whatnot, what, did you have any low moments throughout this race or was it kind of just all like a perfect day? Uh, kind of talk us through kind of like what was your biggest challenge out there on race day? Sure. I mean, you know, I- I've haven't, I guess I haven't had many of those like perfect day races. (laughs) Like those are like the unicorns. Right. But, um, but I did feel like just strong and prepared, you know, I think, um, and I think some of that is like coming off of not racing for two years almost. And, and finally feeling like I had put in, um, you know, regardless, yeah, having it be a very short lead up, I still felt you know, ready. Like I felt like my body was prepared, um, for the distance. And that just comes, I think with experience and, you know, having done races for so long, but, um, I think, yeah, I mean that fall, that was not fun. You know, at mile 40, I was like, Oh, this, you know, like, okay, time to like, <laughs> like think, think a little harder. Don't, you know, and I honestly, I think actually after that, I took a, a I do take caffeine sometimes in these races too. So I took a caffeine pill just to like, try and be a little more clear headed. Um, I think, but otherwise, yeah, like, you know, it's never fun to be passed in an event, you know, but like, that's part of it. That's part of racing. Um, you know, it was kind of fun too. like the coverage, uh, was really great. You know, the Arabipa did. And so I'd be like going up a climb closer to an aid station and there'd be a drone like overhead. And so I could kind of hear it and I'd be like, Oh, time to start running. Like <laughs> as I'm like, just trying to like walk up a hill, you know? Um, but honestly, like, again, I think for me, and it, yeah, there were low points, but not that low, you know, like the fact that I'm just out there running is amazing, you know, that we're able to have the race at all. And like, I always, I, you know, it sounds kind of cliche and, um, but like, I do run with gratitude most of the time, like, you know, things could be way worse. So, yeah, I try not to have pity parties that much. <laughs> out there and I and honestly I didn't for this race it was it was great it was really nice that's a good mantra and I need to start having less pity parties myself so <laughs> I'll uh, take that advice to heart but uh kind of one thing I'm just super curious about is you've done a lot of west coast races and mm-hmm. obviously you know training in the northeast and a lot of our viewers are obviously east coast but uh eventually do make their way out west just to try mm-hmm. new races but kind of what is that mentality like when you go into a race with you know a lot of runners that you know could be seen as elite out west and kind of competing with them and also just being super successful like what kind of yield to that success do you say um I mean honestly I think it's like you just have to be well it has to do with your intentions right like why am I out there racing and why am I out there running at all um you know and it is I find it exciting I do find it exciting to race um a competitive event you know with other people that are well known or you know top runners but I think um 
a lot of times like the race is just a celebration, right. Of all the hard work you've done. So for me, you know, it's, it's being consistent and it's getting out there and, and training. Um, cause I, and I do, I love where I live and I love training, but I think, um, you know, and I guess, yeah, I have done a lot of races that way. So for me, it's like the more you can do, like the easier it gets, right. With anything, right. Like performing or talking in front of people or any of that stuff. But, um, yeah, so I think for me, like it's, it's always been a bit of an adventure to go race out West and see a new place. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of it is like, and that's, it's, it's the celebration of like lining up and racing and, and the rest of it is like the hard part, you know, <laughs> like the consistency part, but it's, it's finding. So I think finding the joy in the stuff that's not great, the stuff that's really great is going to be like the best ever. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great answer. And I kind of now want to kind of shift gears. Now you from going out West, you know, talk about the, the North, the mm-hmm. New York ultra scene and kind of like sure. what it's like, uh, you know, at the lo- your local races, what's it like competition wise, you know, seeing those from familiar faces. I know a couple of communities, uh, you know, everyone kind of does the race year after year. Do you have that up in New York? And uh, so what's that like? Um, so where I am, not a ton. There is there is a few small things. Like, so the race that got me started in mountain running, it's called the Great Adirondack Trail Run. It's in uh, Keene Valley, New York. And it's only 11 miles, um, but it has like, it's 3,000 feet of gain in that 11 miles. Um, and it's pretty like remote trail that's not well-traveled. Um, and so it has a, a kind of storied history of just being like, excuse me, the like, one of the tougher events in our area. Right. And so actually quite a few, um, Olympic biathletes, uh, can run in it because it's, they're here for the summer and we have an Olympic training center here. Um, and so like, it's always a competitive event typically. So that was my first ever race that I was like, can I even finish this thing? I don't know. Um, so that one I would say, yeah, is like, that's always a fun race. You never know who's going to be there. Like, is it, is there going to be like a gold medal biathlete there? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, but otherwise, you know, like, so I help, uh, I'm a co race director for the white face guy race, uh, up here in Wilmington, New York. Um, and that has brought a lot of competitive na- names to the, to the area in the past, uh, when it used to be part of the U S sky running series that unfortunately is no longer, um, but otherwise, like right in my zone, there's not a ton of stuff. Um, you can get, you know, like Vermont, like the Vermont 50 um, always has a few people. And that was my first 50 mile race, actually. That was, um, that's also a really good one if people are looking for a first 50 to do, because it's pretty runnable, you know, it's, it's a fun day typically. Um, and then there's things like, I have never done like the escarpment race, which is one of the oldest trail races in the country, um, like a classic. So I'm hoping maybe this year, we'll see. Um, I'd love to do that one. Uh, and then there's, you know, in like New Hampshire has a really strong athletic field, you know, of just like people that are in their community that, um, do a lot of racing and, you know, we have them here too. It's, you know, it's an interesting, um, you know, mountain communities are interesting <laughs> folk typically. Um, but yeah, so ultra wise, there's not a ton here. There's like stuff that people wouldn't know about, like the Wakely Dam Ultra that's been going on for a really long time. That's a point to point in the wilderness area here. And that's kind of special. Um, but yeah, there's not a ton to be honest. So you do sort of have to travel. If you're going to like try to line up against like the best in the country, you have to, you have to go other places for sure. Um, but that being said, like 
the part of the reason that I love it here is because it's not like that. <laughs> you know, there's not like, um, you know, my trails aren't full of other trail runners, you know? So, it, you know, it's, it makes it kind of special in that way. Yeah. Each community is, you know, super special in its own, in its yeah. own right. I mean, every trail community that I've kind of been a part of, you know, it has its own little thing that kind of just makes it super unique. And I think that's what yeah. uh, just makes it super awesome. Uh, you kind of hinted at it a little bit, but uh, you know, I'd love to kind of hear about what's next, obviously uh, Western States, I'm sure, but uh, kind of what else do you have planned for the rest of this year and uh, maybe in the next year? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Western States, obviously is, uh, I'm incredibly excited to get back there. We didn't really say yet that I've, I did do a Western States in 2017. Um, that was, uh, not a good day for me. (laughs) I ended up, uh, walking the last 20 miles. So it was not, um, my, what I thought would go on that day, but that's okay. So getting back there has been a huge goal, obviously for several years now, but, um, so that's like, you know, that's the one, that's the A goal for this year. Um, otherwise, you know, I would like to do some FKT projects around here. Um, again, you know, I don't know if the 46 will happen this year or not. We'll see. It's such a, it, it's so huge that it's, uh, kind of has to be, it's like standalone thing, but, um, yeah, there's like the great range here, which is kind of, some people may know it's, um, uh, like it, it's almost, it's 20 miles with, 10,000 feet of elevation gain, super technical. Um, I had the record on it for a long time and then it, my good friend, Lindsay Webster took it from me. So <laughs> I want to get that back. Um, and then, you know, the other things like in New Hampshire, like the Prezi Traverse or the Pemi Loop, you know, those are all super appealing to me. Um, but yeah, maybe the escarpment. Um, and then, so La Sportiva is the headlining sponsor for Leadville. Um, it has been for a couple of years now. So I'm on the list for Leadville for this year. Um, but we'll see, you know, that's a tough back-to-back Western States lead bill. So um, yeah, I'm going to kind of assess and see how I feel then like in July. And if I'm feeling good, then maybe I'll head out and try to get some uh, acclimation. (laughs) I don't do super great, like heading straight out to altitude. So uh, I'll I'll need a few weeks out there ahead of time if it's going to happen. I think you just go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting thing, right? Like, I think it is either like people say you either go out and you like race the next day at altitude, like I'd fly out and race like the next morning or like you need, personally, I think I need like three weeks of like (laughs) kind of time to, and I, I've run actually a lot of the course, um, it did do like a, a trail run camp out there with Las Pertiva a couple of years ago. And we ran a lot of the course. So I've seen a lot of it. Um, and actually while I was there, it was like super altitude sick of going over hope pass. So, so I, I know what I need to do, but we'll see. Definitely kind of shifting gears. Now I kind of want to talk about your roles on the ITRA leadership team and the ATRA advisory board. I think that's kind of uh, unique that you're kind of a part of those. And I just want to kind of learn more about like what your role is uh, within the organization. Uh, Sure. So I've been part of ITRA. um, I guess it's been two years that I've been on the leadership team at this point. Um, and there's been a lot of changes within ITRA. I don't know if you guys, so here, can I ask you, so what do you guys know of ITRA so far? Like very little. Yeah. Yeah. And that's most people in North America actually, or at least in the U S um, it's a very Eurocentric 
things right now. But um, we now have a uh, U.S. president. So Bob Crowley took over as president um, this in 2020. And, you know, the the whole point of ITRA and like why it was started um, was to create kind of like a referencing body for trail running, right? And like for, for places, for countries to go um, to say, like, say you're from like South America and, and people don't really trail run there, but they want to, or they're starting to, um, or you're a race director in another, co- you know, some country that doesn't have trail running and, and um, you're like, so what, do, like, what do we do? Like, how, what do we, how do we set up an aid station? How do we have medical team or, you know, all those sorts of things. So that was the, um, like one of the original ideas of what ITRA is about, right, is providing the service for for trail runners because we all sort of share, and I think it's a global thing that we share just the love of being outside and on the trail and like with, you know, sometimes with other people or not, you know, and just pushing ourselves that way. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's a global thing. That, like, I don't know if you guys have traveled to an international race, but it's like when you're there, you know, you don't really have to speak their language to like still share that joy, right? So um, that's sort of, you know, where it started and it's, it turned into sort of like uh, a ranking system for athletes, uh, which I think is useful. You know, I think other races and, and, um, you know, they use it as a way to provide entry for elites or, um, like seed, seed, uh, a wave start, you know, a lot of that's been happening a lot now with COVID. Um, they look at the itcher rankings to say, okay, well, this would probably be where people are going to finish. We'll, we'll put them in this wave. Um, so on the leadership team, when I was brought on two years ago, um, you know, there's different like committees and different things we're trying to, I don't know if you guys have been to the website, like a lot of it has to do with trying to like the technology and trying to, um, make it user-friendly for all, all people like globally. So it, it's a challenging thing. It's, I found it very interesting. Um, yeah. Trying to look at this in a global perspective uh, and, and what is net, like what's needed, right? Like what is needed from a runner's perspective? Cause that's why I was brought on as a runner, not like a race. There's, there's race organizers um, and there's, you know, people that have been there from the beginning, but, so it's been an interesting eye-opening experience <laughs> for me. Um, and we're still like basically, you know, it, working, just trying to work hard to get the things that people want, but it's very slow. <laughs> um, and so, you know, in uh, kind of contrast to that, like the um, American Trail Running Association is a similar kind of governing body, you know, within the U S that is there as also a referencing body. Um, and so if you go to the, their website, you know, you find, um, like we just did a whole rebranding to try to make it more user-friendly, um, and, and, uh, like more kind of current with the times. I think they'd had the same like color scheme and all that, like since they started. So, that, you know, they do, like, ATRA does, um, like, a U.S. trail running conference every year where they bring together a lot of um, professionals and um, athletes, but also just people in the sport or brands or different things. So I think I think they're all useful in that, you know, both ITRA and ATRA, that, like, we're trying for the same thing and that we all love trail running and we want it to, like, I think there's, like, a heart and sort of um, just sort of, like, feeling about like what trail running is versus like road, right. Like versus road running or like any other sort of like, um, like federated sport. So 
I think none of us, like, especially the folks that are involved in, in Atra and Itra do not want that to be lost, you know? So I think we're trying our hardest to sort of help guide people that are new to the sport, especially I think in, uh, like this year, we have found there's so many new runners, right? Like after the, like during the pandemic and after the pandemic, um, they were trying to help people kind of understand what trail running is. And, um, if they, if they need answers, they can find them is, is basically what both things are all about, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Um, are there ways for people who want to get involved or help out, um, to do that? Um, so with ITRA, um, you can become a member. There's, um, you can, um, I think, like if you wanted to like volunteer or had services to provide, um, I mean, you could reach out to me uh, and you can, but you can become a member or just like check out the website, see what you think. You know, it's super helpful. I find um, to have feedback from people because it's, you know, for the longest time, these organizations, um, I mean, it's especially because it's so not us based that people don't understand what it is. So um having people like I put out a survey originally, but it only went to the members. Right. So like people that are watching this, that may not even know what it is or have an idea um, or feel free to reach out to me because it's very helpful. Um, Cause I, I do want, you know, the U S based folks to kind of say, Oh, okay. Yeah, this makes sense. Like, but one of the other big things that we provide is insurance for people. So like when you travel to a foreign race, a lot of times they want you to have some sort of like accident insurance. So you can purchase that through actually ATRA and ITRA both provide that service. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like their websites, you can check those out. Um, and, but they're always looking for, yeah, like I like the idea that people should be able to reach out to all of us and you know, anybody on the leadership team um, with ideas. Yeah. Well, we'll put all that information in the description below. So everyone who's watching, who wants to get involved or reach out to you, they can do that. Great. Um, before we switch into our quick questions, we just want to remind everybody that if you like what we're doing, uh, please hit that subscribe button. It goes a long way to help us out. Um, and so let's get into one of my favorite questions um, of our quick question section. And I'm going to do the walk up song. Oh, yeah. So if you if you know if, yeah. if running had walk up songs like baseball, what would yours be? So I for the last like year, yeah, at least the last year, and I mean for a long time I've been a huge Metallica fan, but I don't know if you guys have seen the S and M two album from Metallica. So it's I have. it's awesome. <laughs> that's the, it's the best. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be like that's what I play as my like running uh, like music behind me. Like, so I also did this thing this summer called, uh, it's a local like DIY, um, mountain bike race. And so I just have these like memories of like cresting a hill with like no leaf clover, like playing in my headphone. It just is so good. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Love that's it. Awesome. And the, the symphony is just so good too. Like, cause it just, yeah, it's really like a soundtrack. Yeah, I remember when Spotify <laughs> announced to me that SNM2 was a thing, and yeah. I like put it on, and I was like sanding uh, drywall in the kitchen, and my fiance comes <laughs> home, and she's like, "What are you listening to?" <laughs> so good, it's the best. It is. It's very good. <laughs> so next question, kind of off the cusp yep. here, but obviously you're uh, you're you're coached. 
and you are a coach. So kind of, you know, I've been kind of debating on, you know, getting into that world of you know, being coached as an athlete. What piece of advice do you give to someone who's maybe looking to get a coach for the first time? And uh, how, like, what would you say to them? Yeah. So I think, you know, for the people that I, like my relationship with David and, and the people that I coach, um, you know, the big thing is that we just click well. You know, I think there's certainly people everybody likes different things. Like some people are data people, some people, um, honestly, like some of the folks I coach just want somebody to talk to some of the times, you know, like, especially during the pandemic. So, um, and not every coach is going to do that either. You know, like not every coach is going to check in or every day or, um, you know, have weekly phone call or like, it just depends on what you're looking for. And, you know, if you just need like a little in like, accountability, right? Like with an online log that you're like, okay, I got to put something in the log today. Like there's several coaches, honestly, that you could um, like have that would do that for you. Um, so I think it's important when you look for a coach that they like are willing to have like a zoom call with you or something like that right off the bat. And then I think it's easy to kind of feel out pretty quickly if it's going to be a good relationship or not. I mean, I think everybody I've worked with, you know, there's no hard feelings. You know, if, it, if it, we go for three weeks and you're like, eh, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't it. And same with me, you know, sometimes there's people that I work with that like, you know what, like you're not either, you're not really receptive or maybe you are, but it's like things aren't working out. You know, there's no hard, hard feelings either way. Um, but yeah, so I think that's important. Like just kind of feeling the, them out and seeing what they're like. And um, yeah. Well, that's great advice, and I'm excited to uh, hopefully make that move myself uh, in the coming weeks. Um, what next do we want to ask? Um, let's see here. I think I've lost my list here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Such a rookie. <laughs> I think I like hit a tab button or something. It, just disapp- it literally disappeared. <laughs> just disappeared off my screen. I'm like, wait a minute. What happened? That's funny. Um, <laughs> What is your pre-race ritual, if you have any? Uh, I don't really have any. I mean, I, you know, hmm. I think I really try not to take anything too seriously, you know? Um, Yeah, I mean, in the morning, like, I really hate waking up, like, at 4 a.m. You know, like, so I work as a nurse, too, um, and so some days I do wake up at 4 a.m. to go running, like, before I go in. So I'm, I'm used to that. But at the same time, like, it's a different thing when it's race morning and you have to wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> to, like, eat something before your 6 a.m. start. But, um, yeah, I don't have anything that's, like, like I have to, like, any, you know, weird superstition thing. I don't really have any of that. What about your uh, favorite <laughs> post? Coffee. I would say coffee. Well, yeah. Coffee's important. <laughs> uh, post-race meal. What's your favorite indulgence afterwards? Uh, so like after black Canyon, we went to in and out. That was delicious. I had never had in and out, but that was like, yeah. And we even like, wait, it was like crazy long line of cars, like around the building and we waited in line for it. So that was worth it. Um, yeah, I think I definitely usually have, and I did have, we had some good beer that night too. That was really good. So I think usually good IPA, um, and yeah, some kind of ice cream or some like a treat of some kind. It's usually the next day. I mean, it's typically like race day. I can't eat a whole lot, you know, like afterward, I'm not eating a whole lot. My stomach's a little bit off typically, but next day it's like all, you know, 
all bets are off and then usually some sort of pastry, like a donut. <laughs> yeah. I, so I recently just found out that Utah has in and out and I like, it was Ooh, like yeah. 35 minutes from me and I didn't change my life. when I found that information, <laughs> I, I haven't been yet. Uh, I knew they were in Cali or whatnot and I had them when I visited over there, but uh, excited to try that again. Yeah, it was pretty good. We got um, milkshakes. Those were good. Yeah. And the burger was good too. It was all good. So uh, the burgers are good, but I think the fries for me are the best yeah. part. Like that's what I think separates in and out from those other places. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The fries were good. Then they have all those like special sauces and stuff. I wasn't really paying attention. I was just sort of eating things <laughs> that was, you know, they bring it out in the like paper tray. <laughs> So before we get out of here with, oh, uh, I think we got one final question here. If you could run sure. with one person in the history of the world, even if they couldn't uh, keep up with you and they would for this run, who would it be and where would you run? So um, I have to go, like, I, this is my, my fallback answer anyway all the time, but John Crine is my favorite uh, singer, well, favorite musician of all time. Um, I don't know if you guys know him, but he unfortunately – passed away with COVID in 2020. So I would certainly, I think I would have him run with me and just like serenade me the entire time. <laughs> um, and I think we'd probably run here. I mean, I love it here. You know, there's uh, a reason that I don't move out West and I stay here. So, yeah. I love that answer. Um, do you have any sponsors that you would like to plug before we leave this evening? Uh, yeah, so I run for La Sportiva, um, been with them since 2016, which is amazing and uh, very thankful. And Joel will actually say I've been with them since 2016. They have amazing uh, sunglasses. Um, and recently with Tailwind Nutrition and um, works well for a lot of people. Some people I know it's, it's not the like best, but I it's always has not done me wrong. I use it for five days during the 46 <laughs> and it was great. So, yeah. Awesome. As always, we'll put um, all of those links we were talking about earlier in the description below. We'll put your uh, Instagram as well down there so people can find you. Uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been a pleasure. You were a wonderful guest. We loved hearing about the Black Canyon story, and we can't wait to follow you uh, at Western States and seeing what you do there. <laughs> um, everybody, we're Jordan Nation. Thanks for joining us in the chat. Thanks for asking questions. We will be back next week with another show, and um, we'll see you later. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Oh, 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 oh,